Good morning, everyone. Glad you could be here to worship with us on this uh, bright and sunny Sunday morning. Nice temperatures outside, starting finally to feel like fall, I suppose. Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, let's get our service started as we normally do with the song. Uh, this song is uh, a really easy one to learn because all you do is just repeat after me. So should be really easy, but let's give it a try.
everybody this morning i praise the lord for each one of you and guys he he is our prince of peace and i pray this morning that if he is not yours that you will change that before this day is over amen Amen. even in the midst of trials and tribulations and heartaches and pains our god is bigger and sometimes we have to let go of those things that are pulling us down so that we can float back up to the top amen that God is the God, our God, the one we just sang of. That's the God that will bring us back to the surface when we look to Him. So, hallelujah for that song. And I praise the Lord for each one of you. And, guys, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. I don't know why everybody sat down. A couple of y'all know the drill. Let's stand up and let's go to the Lord. Father God, I just come before you right now and I thank you that we can come together. We can laugh, we can cry, we can have joy, we can be sad. We can do it all together as one family because you have adopted us through the blood of Christ. Father, through your grace, through your mercy, through your blood, we are all made one in you. So Father, as we come together this morning, I pray that you'll be with those that may be hurting, be with those who are ecstatic, 
Be with all of us at one time, and may we come together corporately, praise you and worship you and lift your name today. And if there is someone here today that does not know you, if there's someone here today that, for whatever the reason may be, has fallen into a position they have never truly accepted you, may they hear your word today, whether it be in a song through these guys behind me, through a neighbor who's praying, through the word that will be shared, wherever it may be, it's not about us, it's about you reaching them. So God, may you speak to their heart and their mind and they hear you this day. We give this service over to you and praise you for it, Lord. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 You know, I, was, I, didn't, I just learned something this week. I did not know that you can go on Google and look and people review you. And our church has all these reviews. I didn't know that. But one of the reviews really stood out to me. It was really humorous to me. It said, it was one of those Texas kind of churches where they're all huggy-feely all the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. So hug somebody and tell them you're glad to see them this morning.
going to join us. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Oh, going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it Let it shine. Amen. I love the adult version. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. As we get back to our seats this morning, we got uh, quite a few announcements I want to make sure to get to you this morning. The first one I'm going to throw out there before I forget it, because I did not write it down. Miss Sheila just came to me. There is no ladies' Bible study this Tuesday morning. So no ladies' Bible study this coming Tuesday morning, guys. Also, too, that being said, this, this is a week with Thanksgiving. A lot of people are traveling. Uh, we have a lot of folks who are traveling, a lot of people on the highways. Also, too, we got a lot that called in sick, uh, told, several calling me and telling me something is going around. So when you get in your daily prayer times, make sure you lift up all those this week that are, one, either traveling or two, that are not feeling well. And let's pray they get back here safely. Amen. Uh, they might not be, we might not live with them per se, but they are still our family and we need to, to continue to lift them up in prayer. Also too, after the service today, the, uh, the third annual community dinner is the way they were calling it, uh, the, the community feast, I think it was called. Say again. Feast of sharing. There we go. Third, third annual feast of sharing. At the community center, she said to make sure to let everybody know you're invited to come down and have lunch today. 11 to 5, they will be serving down there. So if you would like to go and be a part of that, she said if you want to bring desserts, that would be nice. However, she said there's plenty of food if anybody wants to go down to the community center following the service today. Also, too, we had a group of young men and, and, and men. I'll just include them in there as well. But we had a group of men who went and was able to do some work at one of the widows' house this past week, cutting up some trees and such. And they said that if you, any of you guys would like to get on those kinds of work crews, give your name to, to Wendy or myself or Ed or somebody and make sure your name's on a list. So when there is something like that that comes up, I know some of you guys have asked me, hey, I want to do something. might not be something right then, but if we have your name on a list, then when that happens, that tree is down or that this or that that, we can get you and give you a call and say, hey, we're putting a group of guys together. Do you want to go? So if you want to get your name, if you're interested in that, get with Wendy, get, get a name on a list, or get with Ed uh, Ulig or something like that. We could work that together. Um, I'm sorry, honey? Oh, no, these are just for the workers. We don't actually want work. No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, honey. Just get with somebody. You can tell me or tell, tell Wendy or something like that. It's when there's, a, when there's something that needs to be done where we can, you know, uh, get on it type thing. Yeah, whomever. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. Um, also, too, we have the, the uh, Thanksgiving dinner. This, for those that don't know, we have, for the, about the last 17 years, we ha always have had our Thanksgiving dinner 
here at the church. We said that this was the church family, and people have stepped in and, and manned the kitchen, and we just have a great time here. So this coming th- Thanksgiving, if you would like to, this church is going to be open all day long. We start with the Macy's Day Parade, and we, we snack, and we eat, and we play games, and we eat, and then we watch football, and we eat, and there's a, a whole day of, of doing what Baptists do well, and that's eating and just having a good time. So I want to encourage you to come out this Thursday. If you want to come in just for a little bit, that's okay. If you want to come and spend the day, that's okay. We're going to set the TV up in one of the rooms So for the football games. Uh, there's going to be board games. There's going to be lots of stuff going on this Thursday here. If you'd like to come and share some of it with us, please do. Bring your family. If you know some folks that may be on hard times not really having a Thanksgiving, this would be a great opportunity for you to ask them and tell them, hey, they're having a meal up at the church. Why don't you go up to the church and, and come and have a good time? And we can outreach to them and and, and share the love and the blessings God has given us with those. Amen? So that, that's this coming Thursday. Lots of, lots of stuff on your upcoming events. I'm not going to go through all those. Have the, is there going to be food on Thursday? Oh, honey. <laughs> I didn't get this figure by missing the meals. <laughs> and round is a figure. It's a shape. Uh, the toy run is coming up, so we need to get toys, start uh, donations for toys. And then also I want to make sure that this, this is very important for you parents who are wanting to go to the aquarium today. The, the, uh, the aquarium is made, of, made available for us to take our, our, our parents and the children to the, to the San Antonio Aquarium, and, and we're going to be going caravan. In other words, bring your own cars, but we're going to be meeting here at 2.30. Those who are going anyway will be meeting here at 2.30, leaving by 2.45 promptly. So I want to encourage you, if you would like to take your children, uh, I don't know all the details. Ann has all those details, but if you would like to go get with Ann, Make sure you're here by 2.30 this afternoon. And I believe that's enough on the announcements. Barry? Barry stepped in for our brother, and he's going to share the scripture reading with us today. Father God, I just lift up my brother to you right now. I just ask that we not hear Barry, but hear you through him. And whatever you've laid on his heart, may we hear it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I prayed about it and prayed about it. Pastor let me know about this yesterday, probably about 5 o'clock. <laughs> so I was like, okay. But I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And for some reason, this is what he shared with me. And somebody out there needs to hear this. But I'm reading out of 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 11. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness So that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. But let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we may live together with him therefore encourage one another and build up each build each other up just as in fact you are doing 
Let's pray to God. Lord, Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for everything you do for us each and every day, Lord. Thank you for our little church, Lord. And I ask that you bless everyone here today, Lord, and be with those that are ill. And, Lord, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your love, your kindness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for being on the throne and watching over us each and every day, Lord. But most of all, thank you for the precious gift of your Son, whose blood covers us, for it's in his name I pray. Amen. Good. Um, man. We, uh, we changed the song at the last minute this morning, and uh, I think I now know why. So we're going to sing a song called Mighty to Save, right off, the, right off the heels of what Barry just told us about. So let's sing that.
Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. You know, guys, if you don't know the, the story behind that song, his name was Horatio, right? The, the original? Horatio, remember? Stafford? Stafford? Horatio Stafford. What? Stafford. Okay. Horatio, anyway, I know that much. But if you don't know the story behind that song... They were traveling. He sent his wife and children ahead of him to go across the sea. This is back in the days when you couldn't just catch an airplane on an old steamer to get across the, the Atlantic, and the ship went down, and he lost, lost all his children. His wife was saved, but he lost all his daughters. And when he was coming across, the captain came to him and stopped when they, and said, this is the place where the ship went down where all your daughters were lost. And it says he placed a reef, and right then, he'd been praying, but he penned that song right there. He said, my faith in God makes me know that all is well, that it is well in my soul. What an incredible story to be able to say, but that's how strong his faith was. Amen? This week, this morning, the message God's laid on my heart goes right in tandem with that song, I believe. And some of the, the events that were transpiring in the early part of the service to, this morning, if you were watching up here at the front earlier. But th this week has been a very interesting week for me, guys. There's been every kind of emotion that you could probably imagine. I've been in some incredible meetings that I didn't think that could ever transpire. I, saw, I was able to meet with some of my family that I haven't seen in 40 years since I was 13 years old and, and just go over some things. And there were some sad trials with some friends and there was... There was good things, and there was talking, and there was crying, and there was sleep. There were so many things, and as I was contemplating all this going through my head, and I had some stuff going on in my own heart and mind when I was, I was dealing with so many different things at one point. Sorry. Wow, that was out of nowhere. <laughs> but I had so many different, so many people, and so much stuff, and I just was praying, and I said, God, there's no playbooks. You know, you don't know how to do something till you do it, till you get there. You just got to trust the Lord. You just got to say, God, I'm doing the best I can with what I have, with what you've given me. Lord, direct my path. There is no playbook that's given to us. And as I was thinking this and I was praying that, the song came on the radio that I was listening to at the time, and no, it wasn't a Christian channel. But the song came on that life's a dance. You learn as you go. And as that song was playing, God just was kind of speaking to me that it is a dance, and don't let the world take your dance. Let me give you the dance. Dance for me, and I'm going to show you that you are going to learn as you go, and you're going to learn my way as you go. 
Turn to the, if you've got your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 6, also Mark chapter 6. But 2 Samuel chapter 6 is where we're primarily going to be. As I was listening to that song, it was almost immediate that God just spoke to me, that this is where he was talking to me to share with everybody. And I explained my thoughts to a friend of mine this, this week, and he, he kind of looked at me. At first he didn't get it, but then I presented to him that I think every one of us has a dance. God has set that dance out in front of us. And, and it may sound odd to some of us, but, but I think that's oftentimes because we've allowed the world to steal that dance away. And rather than being able to dance and have fun through life, rather than being able to, to step forward and just move the way God wants us to move, we allow the instances and the things and the trials and the tragedies, and we allow Satan to come in, even though in our mind we know that God is our Lord and our Savior. But we are called not just to know it, he has given us a dance. And what we do sometimes is we shackle ourselves to the table, and we don't dance. We don't get up there and learn. We don't get out there and move the way God has called us to move. We allow the, the pressures of life, the worries of life, the, the, the stressors, of this life to steal our dance before the Lord. We allow it to come in and, and, and make us just robots and just functioning and just existing rather than getting out there and understanding, yes, there isn't a playbook. We have this book and there's examples, but he is choreographing as we live, as we speak, as we walk. And if we will choose to not allow the world to steal that dance away from us, he's going to have us to dance for him. He says to go and live your life to the full. The world is a scary place, but be of good cheer, for I have conquered the world. Folks, we have been called to do more than just exist. I know there's things that happen in your life. I know there's, there's financial burdens. I know there's tragedies. I know there's, there's, there's just worries and stress that the world tries to upon us but as we just sang through it all if we keep our eyes on the lord my soul can be well and i can dance the way that god wants me to dance now it doesn't matter whether you started dancing yesterday or you've been dancing for many years with the lord when we truly step up and look put our eyes on god and start that dance he's going to tell us how to move he's going to show us where we can go but what often happens is even though we have that dance, even though he's given us that dance, and even though we have the, the capability of joy set before us, somewhere down the line, something comes in and trips us. We allow somebody to throw the, the world. We allow Satan to take something that God says, this is going to be a hard time. But if you will cling to me, if you will hold to me, if you will put your heart in my hands and your eyes on my face, I will guide you through this and you will be stronger and I'm going to use you to help others. But instead of doing that, we look at the circumstance and the situation and it clips us at our ankles and we fall. And even though we know the Lord, we're laying in a heap at the bottom of the, at the pulpit, at the bottom of the cross. We're laying on on the floor when God's saying, I'm still here. I still love you. I still want to wrap my arms around you. I still want to dance. I want us to have joy. Put your faith back in me. Put your eyes back on me. And we're going to dance. In, 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 in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, a story that some of y'all may know, but I want to touch on it a little bit this morning. Starting in verse 1. David again assembled all the choice men in Israel, 30,000 of them. He and all his troops set out to bring the ark of God from Baljudah, and the ark is called by the name, the name of the Lord of hosts who dwell between the cherubim. 
They set the ark of God on a new cart and transported it from Abadad's house into which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abadad, Abinadab, were guiding the cart and brought it with the ark of God from Abinadab's house on the hill. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of firwood, instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, sistrums, cymbals. Now jump down just a little bit to verse 12. In verse 12, it says, It was reported to King David, the Lord has blessed Obadam's family and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought the ark of God up from Obadam's house to the city of David with rejoicing. When those carrying the ark of the Lord advanced six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf. David was dancing with all his might before the Lord, wearing a linen ephod. He and the whole house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of the ram's horn. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Saul's daughter Michal looked down from the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent. And David set it up for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence. When David had finished all the offerings, the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed a loaf of bread, a date cake, a raisin cake to each one of the whole multitude of people of Israel, both men and women. And then all the people left, each to his own home. We'll go back to this in just a few moments. But up at the top there, when he was carrying the ark of the Lord, he advanced six steps, sacrificed an ox and a fattened calf. David was dancing with all his might before the Lord, wearing a linen ephod. Now, we're going to park there for just a minute. I want you to think about this. We find David doing what? He is dancing before the Lord. Not just a little, yeah, I'm going to sing a little song. It says he's dancing with all his might. He is dancing before the Lord with all that he has. And that dancing, and here's something we need to grab a hold of, guys. Not only was he ecstatic that he had that relationship with God, and though he had lost a lot of things, he'd had a, a lot of trials in his life up to this point. But still, he chose to put his faith in an almighty God. And it says that he was so joyous in his relationship with God that not only was he dancing, but it was contagious. It says the entire house of Israel joined in with shouts and sounds of music and trumpets and lyres. In other words, because he was so ecstatic, because he was so ingrained with his relationship with God, he was dancing before the Lord. Though he had just lost Uzziah, though he had just lost so much, there was so much going on in his life, he still chose to put his faith in God and the dance was being done and it was contagious and the people said, man, look at David's relationship. Look how joyous he is, even in the midst of everything. I want what he's got, and that, that what he has is a relationship. And everybody was dancing. I think that when we allow our lives to be a dance before the Lord, when we dance with all our might, when we truly step out and say, God, here I am, when we are really and truly living into our calling, our calling as a Christian, when we are being what God has called us to be, our lives are going to be contagious. People are going to want what we have. They're going to say, "What? there's something in your life that, that's different. I've seen what you've gone through. I know that you, you're barely financially making it. I know that you have medical issues. I know this or I know that. But you're so joyous and you're dancing before the Lord. I want what you have. 
Isn't that probably what happened to most of you somewhere down the line? Didn't you meet somebody that, that, that you were just looking at them and you're like, man, you are, you are so filled with the Lord. You, you, you have that dance of a Christian. You're not just saying you're a Christian. I see joy in your eyes. I see something more than just a church attender. I see something and, and, and I want to join that dancing. What makes you different than that other guy that says he's a Christian? What makes you different than this person or that person? I truly see joy. It's not just a a proclamation of being a Christian. You're dancing before the Lord. Folks, that's usually how the gospel is spread. When people see a joyous Christian, when when they witness us before other people dancing before God, and they they say, man, I I am so curious. What is How can you have strength in the midst of adversity? How can you be joyous in the midst of what you're going through right now? How can you continue to dance? And that's what I can say, because it's not about me. It's about my relationship with God. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on him. And because of that, it is well with my soul. I wonder if God gave you all that song, Chris, the same time he gave me the message, because it's really rolling in my head. Because that's what keeps us dancing. That's what keeps us moving. I know about 20, I guess I was about, I was 20 years old because it was 1986. When I was 20 years old, I come across a group of people that way. They were joyous for the Lord. They were dancing, if you will, because of their joy. Now, metaphorically, of course, that church would not have danced. But the people within it were dancing. They had a true joy. They didn't have to say anything to me to see it. In fact, to be quite honest with you, I went to that church when I was 20 years old out of obligation. I felt like I had to go. I'm not going to go all into that testimony, but it's like, ah, man, I guess I have to go now. And I went to this church, and I saw that they really and truly and fully had committed their life to the Lord. I had seen people, obviously, many times in my 20 years that said they were Christians. I had been to churches where they said they were a Christian church. But I just felt like, yeah, whatever. You know, it, it, it sure you know, it, it's, you got your little checkbox thing. And I would just go on and, okay, these are what Christians do. But I came across this group of people. And I could see that, that, that when they sang their songs, it came from their heart. When I saw them speak, when I saw them hug one another. When, and these are people that had illnesses. Some of, them, uh, uh, some of them were very arthritic and in pain. And some of them were hurting. And some of them were fi- most of them were very financially destitute. And I'm looking at these people and I, I remember so clearly thinking, how can y'all be so incredibly joyous about this God? Why, how come you hurt? How come you don't have any money? Why, you, you have all these things going on in your life. Why are you so joyous? And it really piqued my curiosity. And the more I talked to them, and the more I watched them, the more I realized this is the real deal. That these people in this little church, they're not just claiming to be Christians, they're dancing for the Lord. They're excited about their God. That no matter how bad they hurt and how, what they have lost and how financially destitute they were, they truly loved the Lord. And I remember, I still remember it so clearly, I sat on the very back row of the church. And I remember squeezing, yeah, right there where you're at, Neil. <laughs> I remember squeezing the back of that pew till my knuckles were turning white. Because I said, I said I, I'm not going to give in to this. It's a crutch. I'm a man's man. I'm tough. I don't need a God to help me through. And I sat at the back of that church, or actually we were standing at that invitation, and I did not walk the aisle. I said, I don't need that. You know, that, that, I don't know what's going on with them people, but they're weird. But then the next Sunday, I went back. 
And, as, and I went back. And as I watched and I realized they're not just saying they're Christians. They're dancing before the Lord. They're excited. They're excited about what's going on. They're excited about that, that personal re- commitment, that relationship that they had with God. So much so that it superseded the, the pain. It superseded their financial situation. They were so as- excited about God that they didn't care about their 70, 80, 90 years on this side of glory. They didn't care about what was happening over here because through it all, their eyes was on Jesus. And that third time I went to them, I couldn't help it anymore. I almost ran down to the front and I told that it was an elderly gentleman I can't remember his name, but I went down to the front and I I said, I have to have what the rest of you people have. And I was accepted the Lord that day at 20 years old. Now in my life, you'll see that I went away and in and out. But that day, as when I was in that church, I saw the people that were willing and wanting to dance before the Lord. You remember there in Samuel, uh, uh, go back to, to, to verse six, uh, chapter 6 there. He, it's in chapter 1, verse 16. Anyway, somewhere in Samuel. I can't remember the address right now. But we're going and we're seeing Samuel when he, when he was young. And the Lord tells Samuel, go and I want you to find and anoint the next king of Israel. I want you to go to Jesse's house. You're going to go to Jesse's house. And you're going to go into Bethlehem and you're going to search for this king. Well, he goes to Jesse and he tells Jesse, bring out all your sons. God has called one of them to be the next king of Israel. And he's looking at the sons and he he goes through them one to the next to the next. Seven boys he goes by and he says, this isn't the one. Yeah, they, they know the Lord, I guess, but this is not the one that's excited. This is not the one who, who God has anointed. This is not the one that God has that kind of relationship with him. He says, none of them are the one. Do you have any more sons? Because something's weird here. Something's wrong. And, and Jesse looks at him and says, well, you know, we got to, uh, this isn't all of them. I have that one youngest one that's out in the fields tending sheep. He's not even given a name. You know, he's the youngest one that's out there. David's name's not even used. He said, he's just a shepherd boy out in the field. Just referred to as the youngest of all these. But these are my seven best ones right here. He's just a mere shepherd boy. But God said, I want the one that has the relationship. Samuel tells him, says, call him in. David comes forward and, and Samuel looks at him and says, you are the one. And look how he's changed. He goes from a mere shepherd boy. So that we know that later on, God says, here is a man after my own heart. A true metamorphosis transpires within his life. Why? Because he truly had a relationship. He truly trusted the Lord. He truly loved his God. And he became a king who danced in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because his relationship was strong. It wasn't his seven brothers. I'm not saying anything bad about them. But we know that when David danced, it was real. And all of Israel danced with him. When our relationship is where it should be, guys, through it all. I'm not saying you're always going to have a smile. Only a clown can paint that on all the time. But you can always have joy in your heart. And you can take it and it's going to be contagious. That's what a Christian life is meant to do to a person. When, when we accept Christ, it is to bring us, it's meant to bring us from that anonymity, that, that not knowing who we are, like David was, into full bloom. When I have accepted Jesus, it's not about just going to Sunday school. It's not about just going to worship service. When I truly have accepted Christ and put my eyes on him, that through it all, I put all my faith in him, I am going to dance. 
But the world takes that away sometimes. Sometimes we allow it to be taken away. I wonder sometimes, what is it that prevents God from working in our lives? Maybe there's some old allegiances that we have. Maybe there's some, some things that are holding us back. Maybe, maybe we were dancing and something happens and all of a sudden we don't want to dance no more. We'd rather not put our eyes on him. We'd rather put our eyes on the situation. Maybe there's something in this world that's truly keeping you from dancing today. Maybe it's something that you just can't break away from. David, as he was dancing, it was contagious. Everyone's grabbing on. Except, there was one individual there, as he is dancing before the ark of the Lord, as he is dancing and the people are singing and the, tr- the cymbals are clanging and the, the trumpets are blowing, the music is going, everything, the, this whole church, if you will, is just proclaiming God and everything's great. But there was one person, we read that Michal, the daughter of Saul, David's wife, was watching David from the window. And when she saw King David down there leaping and dancing before the Lord, it says she despised him in her heart. She saw everybody was singing. She saw everybody was joyous. She knew by the words of the song that everyone was just singing about God. But instead, she crossed her arms and she looked out the window. And she said, I don't want any part of that. Why? She hated David's dancing because David had supplanted her father as king. This old allegiance that she had to her her father prevented her from accepting God and dancing with David. Instead of dancing with David for the Lord and looking to him, she looked to that old allegiance. She looked to something that was weighing her down. She chose to put her focus on an instance rather than on a God. And in so doing, the whole church is dancing. All of Israel's dancing. David's leading the dance out there. But that old allegiance, that baggage, if you will, was holding her back. Folks, I would submit to you this morning that we do the same thing. That we allow an allegiance to some hurt, to some past, to some financial disability, whatever it may be. We allow ourselves to let that take more of a hold than God has a hold on our heart. And when we allow that to grab a hold of us and wrap its arms around us and wrap its tentacles tight, even though your mind, one part of it may be saying, I want to dance, you're locked down. It's when we can truly give it all to the Lord. When I say, Lord, here I am. When we cling to those things that that makes us feel hatred, that's where Michal was. She was angry. She was mad. My daddy was king. Sure, you're my husband now. I have to be here. But I'm going to hold to that old hatred. Folks, that hatred is not of God. Hatred is not a pleasant thing. It eats away at us. It kills our joy. It fills us with darkness, as Barry shared just a little while ago. Man, everything's coming together this morning. That's why I had to call you wherever you went, Barry. That's why I had to call you. There you are. I had to call you last night, I guess. Everything, guys. When we sit in darkness, we're not in the light. Hatred is in the darkness. That's not of God. But for some, the feelings of hatred are brought about by that that sting of whatever it may be in our lives. And we allow hatred to cause us to do things that hurts ourselves and hurts others. And that is not what's going to make people dance, nor is it going to let you dance. If you really want to dance before the Lord, you have to let go of that baggage. You have to let go of whatever it is that has shackled you to the world and know that my God has broke the shackles. 
That I can turn my faith and my heart and put it in the hands of an almighty God and know that he is stronger than whatever the baggage is that holds me back. That my emotions, even though they want to overtake me, man's heart, they are all incredibly wicked, the Bible says. But the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us and make us whole. When we allow that dirt to get in our heart, we can let it sit there and fester and start to move and like a cancerous growth around that spiritual heart. Or we can turn to the Father and say, Lord, I am need of your cleansing grace today. I am in need of your mercy today. I am broken, but I know your grace is sufficient. Lord, I need that grace because the hatred's overcoming me. And we serve a God who's not going to say, I'll get to it later. He's, we're serving a God that can't be in two places at once. We serve a God that when you cry out, he wraps his hand around you and he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you till the ends of the earth. And when we recognize and realize it again, through it all, I can count on you. Hallelujah. But that hatred will destroy us. Look in Mark. Mark chapter 6. I want to grab another story here. Mark chapter 6. Starting in verse 14. King Herod heard of this because Jesus' name had become well known. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why supernatural powers are at work in him. But others said he's Elijah. Still others said he's a prophet, like one of the prophets. When Herod heard of it, he said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised? For Herod himself had given orders to arrest John and to chain him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not because Herod was in awe of John and was protecting him knowing he was a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard him, he would be very disturbed and yet would hear him gladly. Now an opportune time came on his birthday when Herod gave a banquet for his nobles, military commanders, and the leading men of Galilee. When Herodias' own daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. So he swore an oath to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And then she went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? John the Baptist's head, she said. Immediately she hurried to the king and said, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter right now. And though the king was deeply distressed because of his oaths and the guests, he did not want to refuse her. The king immediately sent for an executioner and commanded him to bring John's head. So he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard about it, they came and removed his corpse and placed it in a tomb. Folks, for some of us, the feelings of hatred are brought about by a, by a sting of truth. And that's what transpired here. John the Baptist, the, one of the, the great prophets, is beheaded because of his speaking truth. What was the only reason for his death? Because he spoke truth. He had spoken earlier in the day because John spoke truth about that, 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 the, the, that you, king, are doing something that is wrong. Folks, the worst thing that can happen to us comes out of us when we're in the darkness rather than the light, as Barry said earlier. That's why we are not to be in the darkness. We are to walk in his light. Jesus is the one who, who comes telling the truth. He is the one who comes and, 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 and is telling what we need to know. But yet what happened when he walked this earth? He was hated. He was beaten. He was spat upon. He was murdered. Why? Because he spoke truth. So often we don't want to hear truth. 
When we are confronted by Christ in our lives, there's no doubt that sometimes we hear things that, that we don't necessarily want to hear. God speaks things that we need to clean this up or clean that up. God says things that, want, that convicts us. And rather than continuing to dance before the Lord, rather than changing whatever it is God's called us to change, rather than letting go of the baggage, letting go of whatever it is that's shackling us to the world, we just say, well, I'm not going to dance anymore. I believe in you, Lord. I accepted you. You're real. But I am not going to change anymore. You told me to do this and do that, but I don't like that. It doesn't fit what my feelings are. It doesn't fit what I want to do. So I'm going to cross my arms and I'm not going to dance anymore. See, when Jesus speaks to us, we, have to, we make a decision. We can either allow Christ to come in and, and change us and let that metamorphosis begin, allowing ourselves to, to dance as the Christian God has called us to dance. And it might be a hard thing he's telling us to do or asking us to do. It may be a hard trial that you're working through. We can either choose to say, Lord, change me and make me what you want me to be. Or I can turn away and be angry and mad and hateful and choose not to dance. It's our decision. God's not going to force it. He's going to say, this is what I want you to do. Those old allegiances oftentimes keep us from hearing Christ in our lives. He says, I know. I understand how hard it is. God the Father says, I, 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 I've seen what has happened. In Ezekiel, we're studying right now, we see what happened when all of Israel turned their back on him. And he looks down upon man and he sees how bad we are. And he sends his only begotten son. And he says, I'm going to let my son die on a cross because I love you so much that I am willing to carry out what it takes for you to be able to dance. But now it's your choice whether you dance or not. It is your choice whether you're going to accept this sacrifice or not. The question we have to ask ourselves, is there anything? Is there any old baggage? Is there any prejudice, any addictions, any, anything that's keeping us from opening the door and allowing him to come in and rearrange the furniture? Maybe even throwing something out, doing a little bit of, of cleaning, maybe some major cleaning, but he's making a room for a dance floor in our heart. Are we allowing him to make that dance floor where we can dance one with another, but most of all where we can wrap our arms around him and dance and people are going to say, I want the joy that they have in their heart. Are we allowing him to come in and clean off that dance floor? Or are we cluttering it all up with our hatred and our ugliness and our honoriness and our baggage and, and our this and our that and this and that? God built the dance floor. He knows how to clean it. Mikhail's hatred for David could have ruined him she could that hatred she had there you know david's dancing before the ark of the covenant and all of israel singing and praising and they're following him and he comes up to his room there and and dance david's been dancing before the lord and he walks in and there's Michal, and immediately she's got that glare and she looks at him and she has a hatred and Mikhail's hatred for david was 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 tangible she, did, she hated him right now. And she could have ruined David's dance right then. She could have taken it all away. But David chose not. And here's what I'm trying to say now, guys. It's oftentimes we let the opinions of others and the trends of this world take away our dance. We cannot be responsible for someone else's dance. All I can be responsible for is my dance. And when Mikael looked at him and said, Boy, I, de I despise you for what you have done in front of the servants and in front of the people. 
And David said, I'm going to do that and I'll do so much more. I will get even more undignified than this, the scripture goes on to say. We sing that song sometimes. And David said, if you think that was undignified, wait till God tells me to do something else. Because guess what? It's not about you, me, Cal. It's about my relationship with God. And we have to make that decision, guys, when others are choosing not to focus on what it is that is going to bring that dance and that life to them. Don't let them steal your life and dance. You keep praying. You keep looking. You keep going out to the Lord and say, God, I want to be what you have called me to be. It's hard right now. A colleague of mine was sharing with me just a, a, a couple of weeks ago. He said several families in his church don't like him and he doesn't even know why. They won't even tell him why. And, and he was really upset about it. He was like, I don't know what to do. And I said, was well, it going to keep you from doing your ministry? Are you going to stop your ministry? And he looked at me like I was insane. He said, why would I let people do that? I serve God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, no way. My, my God is bigger than that. But folks, if we let the opinions of others dictate to us whether or not we're going to live out our calling, I think that many of us would never live it out. We'd rather, if we allow other people's opinions dictate to us rather than God, we're never going to dance. Another minister friend of mine I was talking to a little while back, he said his family really did not want him to go into ministry. They said he was a smart man. They wanted him to go to college and become a lawyer and make a lot of money and help serve the rest of the family. But he said, my, my idea though, as I prayed about it, it wasn't to bring money into the house and give to other people. God said, serve him. And when I chose to serve him, God called me into the ministry. And praise God, he is a powerful man of God today. Because he chose not to do what the world said. Because he chose not to do what, what these opinions were saying. He chose to get on his knees and say, God, where are you? In, in, in chapter 6 there, Mikhail looks at him and says, you have just utterly despised yourself. You, you just embarrassed yourself. You embarrassed me. It was vulgar. It was reprehensible, David. How could you dare to do this? And David says, I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will become even more undignified than this. Guys, here's the, here's the bottom line. Let's not let anyone or anything or any situation stop us from dancing. Sure, the dance may change, Things may get harder. You may have to relearn steps. You may have to, to, to figure out what's the next play. In that song, Life's a Dance, You Learn As You Go, that's just as it is sometimes with God. That not everything comes with a playbook. Anybody who's raised children know how hard it is sometimes to figure out what in the world were you thinking. They weren't because they haven't learned it yet. You've learned it, they haven't. And sometimes we look to one another. What were you thinking? You've learned it. They haven't yet. Life doesn't come with a playbook. But that's why we're all here together. And we have God's book. And we know that God has spoken a promise to us. He said, my grace is sufficient for us to embrace us with all that peace that transcends all understanding. We may not fully comprehend What's going on? We may not fully comprehend where the next step is. We may not fully comprehend what direction the dance is going. But when I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it says that he will give me a peace that surpasses all understanding. That means I don't have to try to understand it anymore. That means I don't have to try to figure it out and fix it. One of the things that if you've been married for a long time, that's one of the things you learn, especially as men. You can't fix everything. 
Myself, I'd, she'd come, Sarah'd come to me and say, this, this, and this. Well, how can I fix it? Well, you can't fix it. I just want you to listen. Oh, well, that's, that's hard to do. I'd rather fix it. <laughs> it takes a while to get to that place. Now, I've been married 33 years. I learned how to keep my mouth shut sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm still getting the look. Maybe many a school amount of time, but... But you know, still in the back of my mind, the first thing goes through my mind, how can I fix this? And then I have to stop. And remember, she, don't, she knows she can't, it can't be fixed. It's already done. It's in the past. I've already done something stupid. Maybe. Whether, it, whether I did or not is beside the point. <laughs> but I learned that what she's telling me now is I just need to hear her wrap my arms around her and say, I'm sorry. And we're going to make this work. And we're going to get forward. It's not about fixing it. It's about moving forward and trusting the Lord that His grace is sufficient. There is not a playbook. I can learn from that and not let it happen again. Or maybe even learn from that and make sure that that situation never even arises again. Or maybe I'll learn from that and when another brother or sister comes into that position, I can say, you know, this is what I learned in my 33 years. You've been married three or four. Let me tell you something right now. Let's do this. Let's do that. Guys, we need to understand this morning, it's our choice whether we're going to hold on to those old allegiances, that old baggage, and watch from the sidelines while everybody else is dancing, like Mikhail, or we can choose to put it in the hands of God. And even though there's pain and there's anguish and there's agony, David had plenty of it. David was a sinful man in many ways. But in the end, God said, there is a man after my own heart. As they were dancing that day, most scholars believe it was probably Psalms 24 that they were singing. If you didn't know that, Psalms is actually hymns. They're songs that they would have been singing. But it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He founded it upon the seas and established the waters. In other words, they were singing, regardless of what happens, my God made it all. My God's in charge of it all. And my God loves me. It goes on to say, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? And the answer is, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Folks, let me tell you this morning that none of us have clean hands and a pure heart. But what that song was saying then because they had the Ark of the Covenant with them is what we can say now because we have Jesus Christ. I can't go and climb and ascend the hill of the Lord because my hands are not clean and my heart is not pure. But because of Jesus Christ, when I chose to accept Him as my Lord and my Savior, I was washed by the blood of the Lamb. And because I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb, I can now go forward and I can ascend to the top of that hill not because of who I am, but because of who He is. And I can because now I know I'm not trapped at the bottom. I can go to the very top as a joint heir to the throne of God. Why? Because he chose to give his life for me and I chose not to hold the baggage of the earth but to give my life to him. And because of that relationship together, I have clean hands. I have a pure heart through the blood of Jesus. I can ascend to the top of the hill of the one who created all things. And folks, I share with you this morning that if we will repent and allow Jesus to forgive us through his mercy and through his grace that you can ascend to the top of that mountain as well the people of israel were amen the people of israel were singing that day they were dancing before the ark of the covenant they were excited and david's dancing out in his ephod because he realized that god almighty who created the heavens and the earth 
through the Ark of the Covenant at that time, the mercy seat of God told them they would have a relationship with Him forever. We can sing and we can dance today as we just did a while ago. We can sing it is all well with my soul. Not because of the Ark of the Covenant, but because the mercy seats through the blood of Jesus Christ now. All who accept Him, all who are washed by that grace, are enabled to dance. This morning, it's only through God's grace that we can be so thankful for the God that loves us and teaches us to dance. Do we want that grace? Do we want the the vindication of our God? Do we want a Savior? Look at David, an, an anonymous nobody. A young boy, it says a young man just out in, the, out in the fields, a shepherd boy. A young man who's just out there, no name, basically. God says, that's mine. That's my son right there. His only prospect in life was to tend sheep for Jesse. But God said, no, he's mine. Because of God's grace, he lived a great and victorious life. Folks, this morning, you do not have to continue just existing You don't have to continue to allow your emotions to rule your world. You don't have to allow the bill collectors to rule your world. You don't. Now, I'm not telling you not to pay your bills. That's not what I said. But what I can say is that joy comes in the morning because His grace, His mercy is sufficient if you know Him as your Lord and Savior. You know how the Psalms 24 ends? The ending verse says, Lift up your hands. Oh, no, lift up your heads to the gate of the Lord. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. This morning is your choice. You can open up your heart's door and let the King of glory come in. The Lord Almighty, the King of kings, the Lord of lords says, I hope you dance. And I want to dance right along with you. Where are you this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you don't know the dance. You don't know how fun and how great life can be. You may be existing, but you're not dancing. And one day, you're going to stand before the Lord. And you're going to say, I I, I just didn't know. And he's going to say, no, you did. And you chose not to dance. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Or you can choose to dance with him today on this side of glory and dance for eternity on the other side. For he said, Whomsoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, after Revelation chapter 3, the church is never mentioned again in the, in the Bible because the church resides in his presence. Let's reside in his presence together. Let's stand in his presence together. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that this day you'll make that decision true. Say, Lord, I want to dance. I want the joy that comes with knowing who you are. I want the joy of having the hope that's not in this side of glory, of things that are going to burn up, but my hope in an eternal glory. I want to dance. If you're here this morning, you do know Jesus. 
but you've allowed yourself to be shackled to a memory, to a tragedy, to a heartbreak, to a financial situation, to a medical condition, to, to whatever it may be, fill in the blank. And you say, I want to dance. Trust the Lord. When, G, when Paul looked at Jesus and said, looked at God, Father, the Lord Jesus, he said, if you would but remove this thorn from my side, if you will just take away this, this, this thing that's just keeping me from going out there and really serving you, I'd do it so much more greatly. And God said, no, 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 no. My grace is sufficient for you to serve me. Folks, you may not be able to get through whatever it may be on your own, but my God said, I'll pick you up and carry you at this point in life. Dance with the Lord. Let's all stand together this morning. And I pray this morning that if you want to dance and you don't know the Lord, that you'll take this altar call and make this your own. Come to this altar. You can accept Christ right where you're at. But he who professes me before men, so shall I profess before the Father. Will you profess him today? And if you do know him as your Lord and Savior, and you're ready for those shackles to be broken, whatever's been holding you back from the dance, go to him and say, Lord, here I am in need of your grace, in need of your mercy, in need of your heavenly hands to hold me. And take the promise, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If God cares about one sparrow that falls from the sky, how much more does he care for you? Father God, I come before you this morning. I lift this service up to you. Now lift up every person that's in here today, God. And if there's one here today that needs to hear that message, that needs to know that they can still dance, may you speak it to their heart. May you take away all my words and who I am and speak directly to them for who they are. God, if there's one person here today that does not know you and they've been going through life and maybe they've been going to churches and just said, yeah, I have the box checked, but they don't know what it means to dance. May this be the day that changes. May this be the day they feel your presence. May this be the day where they not only accept you, but that they can leave going away saying that it is well. It is well with my soul. Lord, may thy will be done at this time of invitation. May you speak to the hearts that need you. May you dry the eyes that are crying. May you lift the smile of those who are rejoicing. And may you just be our God, each one of us individually, the way you've called us to be, but then corporately as your children and as your family, may we rejoice in your presence. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As we sing, if God's speaking to you, I want you to come out. You can pray right where you're at. You can pray with a neighbor. You can come to this altar. Or I can pray with you. But will you pray this morning and let God do what he's called you to do today? In Jesus' name, as we sing, Chris.
Guys, as we are gathered here this morning, there are still those who are hurting, those who are in prayer. But isn't it great? We can serve a Lord. And even while there are those who are tearful, there are those who are joyous. We serve a God that is God from everlasting to everlasting, from every emotion to every emotion. And we can lift up right now after singing the song we just did. Nothing but the blood of Jesus gives me the joy to do even more undignified than this. Amen. Amen. Give God the glory this morning. Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for you. I pray when you walk out of here today, don't be one of those Christians that just says, I go to church to get checked on the box. 
That's not what's going to change people's lives. You want to be used by God to, to in ministry and change people's lives? Get out there and dance for the Lord. Let others see joy in your step. Let them see, and when I say that, it's metaphorically. You may say, but I, I can't walk. I can't do this. I can't do that. You can speak and you can smile and you can say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up. Keep praising him for whatever may be transpiring in your life and give him all praise, honor, and glory. Uh, Brother Pat, would you close us in prayer this morning, brother?
Don't let it shine 